welcome to the Nerdogram Podcast. The ultimate mashup between the Enneagram personality tool and all your favorite characters from film, TV, and literature. On today's episode, we are typing the characters from the Queen's Gambit. everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the nerdogram podcast my name is lance my name is kate hey kate how's it going going pretty well i think we're uh, still coming off the halloween high in our house and uh, i made a, a really rookie mistake and my kids saw me put the halloween candy away and so they knew where it was got into it and there may have been a solid 45 minutes when they were consuming candy totally unsupervised today and we paid for it at that time that sounds rough i was introduced to something new that i didn't know existed have you heard of the halloween fairy no tell me about the halloween fairy so my wife told me about the halloween fairy yesterday and what you do is you tell the kids that the halloween fairy comes and makes an exchange. So they have to leave their basket of candy out and the Halloween fairy comes and leaves them a little toy in exchange for all the candy. Oh. I don't know about you, but I will make that trade all day long. I wonder if my kids would. I mean, they are highly motivated to get toys, but they do love their Halloween candy. It probably depends on how you sell it. So I don't know if in your house, do you guys do the Halloween tax? So we joke about doing taxes. Uh, somebody I follow on Twitter posted this, and I'll do a shout out to give credit. He said Barnabas Piper. Barnabas Piper. He says, if you're talking about taxing your kids' Halloween candy, just stop. This is an amateur hour. You are a benevolent dictator with a divine right to whatever candy they collect, and you will allow them whatever portion you deem good and right. We don't teach them about taxes. I do frequent and not just with Halloween candy. I do what's called dad tax, um, also called dad bite. And that's where I take a bite out of whatever I feel like taking a bite out of, as is my right as dad. <laughs> oh, man, my my three-year-old would not let that fly. He will not even share a single Funyun. Somebody in our neighborhood was giving away Funyuns, which is really fun. And I haven't had those in years, and I really wanted one. And he would not share, not even one. Well, you know, start them young. They get used to the dad tax. It's just part of life. <laughs> so when we went, we took them trick-or-treating a couple days in a row because there was lots of stuff to do, a lot of family things. And because of COVID, we have never actually really trick-or-treated around our town. The first year we lived here, we were actually on vacation during Halloween. And so we, we missed it. The mm-hmm. second time was COVID. So there was like nothing happening. So then this year we're like, hey, we're actually going to go out. And we were not feeling it when it got to to Sunday. Both of us were like, um, I, I don't feel like going out. I really don't. And we sort of talked ourselves into it. And so I had heard that there was this one street that is the street everybody has to go to. So, you know, in all the 90s shows, the trick-or-treating shows, there was that like image, that feel of all the kids wandering and all the beautiful houses and everything uh-huh. set up. They're all kind of Victorian houses. Yeah. Or, you know... Yeah, they look nice. It's that 90s Halloween feel. Never experienced that. My trick-or-treating was never that growing up. It's a street in my town. No joke. It is. My wife and I were really geeking out over it. We're like, oh, it's just like we wanted when we were kids. This is it. And they all go all out. It is so much fun. And of course, there's always that one house that, that takes takes it to a whole other level, right? They've got the smoke, yeah. they've got the chainsaw, they're all dressed up in scary things. And so when we walk walking by the house, we told the kids, oh no, don't worry. It's just people in costumes. It's fine. You don't have to go in there. And my son said, I want to go. And I looked at it and I looked at the very scary nun that was standing there. Guys, I, I know she's from a movie or something. There's some sort of, I've seen pictures online. I've, I've never actually watched the film myself. And she's at the fence, like peering over the fence. And I said, you want to go in there, buddy? He goes, yeah, I want to go. I said, okay. So he turns full Spider-Man and just marches right in there. 
and the nun is there and she's like leaning over creepily over the fence and he walks up he goes hi and so she kind of waves back and he goes hey you got something on your face (laughs) (laughs) and he just goes marching right up like he's marching past the guy with the chainsaw and the guy with the chainsaw pulls his mask up and he kind of looks at me like well what's he doing i don't know he wanted to do it and so they all got a big kick out of this little tiny guy you know all the old kids are screaming and crying and he's just like hey you got candy over here i love it our neighborhood is a big destination and so uh some neighbors like show a drive-in movie on one house like they do a projector in their front yard uh the street over because i'm in like a a subdivision and so the street behind us in our subdivision they have live music and they have like the t-shirt cannons but they fill it with candy so they have everybody (laughs) gather up in the middle of the street and they shoot candy everywhere and all the kids are screaming and trying to grab it. And there's probably like four or five of those hot spots around our neighborhood. I don't know. There's maybe like a hundred houses in our neighborhood or something like that. And so you can, we don't go to all of them because we're not masochists. And so we only, (laughs) we, we have, we, there's one sweet little old couple we're really close to. So we go to their house and then there's another uh, set of friends uh, who are part of our, our church. And so we go over there and then we make it back to our house. But uh, my kid, my oldest ran into just some kids that he rides the bus with and they're apparently feral children. They were wandering the neighborhood without adult supervision, not sure where their parents were. And they're like, hey, come on, you got to come over here. And my seven-year-old's like, yeah, that sounds great. Doesn't even look back at us and just takes off running with these feral children. Like he's joined their feral pack. It's like, this is not how it works in our family. I need to see you. I'm not an Enneagram six. I'm not excessively anxious, but in crowds on Halloween, you better believe I need eyes on my kid. I get that. And, you know, that was one thing I appreciate about that, that, that street that we went to was that the police had blocked off and were out there and they had blocked off all of that. And so it was just completely shut, like shut down to traffic and everything. It was, it was cool. I felt like I was living hocus pocus. I really did. Minus the witches. Minus the real life, witches, the dead coming back to life. But we did have a black cat was hanging out in the middle of the street and he was just (sighs) sitting out there and he looked so close to Binks that both my wife and I went, that looks like Binks. Oh, so he was I just keeping an eye, cat. making sure no virgins were lighting any candles. <laughs> I love a black cat. I uh, I always used to wish that I could have a familiar. <laughs> like I was really into witch stories when I was a kid. I'm like, I just want a familiar. So my mom's like, what is that? A pet? <laughs> well, I've got one out in my shop if you want them. <laughs> oh, we were having this conversation this week. My family's super allergic to cats. And so like people that I love couldn't come over if we had a cat, but I kind of been wanting a cat this week and I don't even like cats that much. He's friendly. So, but his brother would probably miss him. They're buddies. They, they do everything together. Yeah. So this week we watched Queens Gambit. Well, you watch Queens Gambit. I, I was prepared. I I'm prepared for today. How much chess did you feel like you needed to play to prepare for this episode? I have not played any chess. In the last few weeks. And normally when I play chess, my uh, opponent is seven years old. So I'm not sure that I'm playing at quite the level that Beth Harmon is accustomed to. But it gets pretty intense here in the Mathena household. Are you a chess player, Lance? Yeah, surprisingly, no. I, I do love board games. And I've played it off and on. You know, we've got a couple chess sets around the house. But I just, I don't know. I never, never really got into it. We have a chess set that is like the Civil War. Mm, that doesn't surprise side. me at all. That's actually, I know we're history people, but that is what got my kid obsessed with the Civil War was because of our chess set. A lot of people think his interest started and then the chess set followed, but actually he learned to play chess and that was the chess that we had that was gifted to my husband when he was, I don't know, 20. I'm like, okay, let's pull this out. It was still wrapped in bubble wrap the whole time we've been married. And that was what sparked. We started talking about, oh, this is Grant. This is Lee. This is the president, you know, President Lincoln. This is Jefferson Davis. And that's what got him interested. That's really cool. Maybe I should try and teach my kids how to play chess. Yeah. Your kids probably aren't old enough to do it without you going 
completely bonkers. No, but I can start introducing. I, I've been introducing other games to him. We recently taught my daughter how to play Pokemon. Yeah, it's a good one. But yeah, the characters from Queen's Gambit. A lot of fun. This is a really good series. I feel like the mini series has become my favorite thing to watch. It's more than a show because sometimes a show can go on too long Mm -hmm. or not be well crafted from season to season. And a movie's too short, but a mini series you can really do a lot with. And they do a ton in this one. I'm a big fan of the mini series genre. It's just enough to leave you wanting more. Siri agrees. I don't know if that showed up on the thing. <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> Siri just suddenly decided to jump in on the conversation. <laughs> so let's start off with one of our favorites, the grumpy old guy in the basement, Mr. Scheibel. I think I can do a quick typing of him, although it will admittedly be kind of surfacey because we don't get a whole lot of detail into his inner world and his life outside of work. Uh, but I'm pretty sure the fact that he doesn't have much of a life outside of work, that he is a grumpy old man who plays chess by himself. But when he attaches, he attaches deeply. I think Mr. Scheibels is a five. I wholeheartedly agree. His only circle of friends is connected to his hobby. Mm-hmm. Well, that one was easy. Do you yeah. think the rest of them will be quite so simple? I don't because I know who we have coming up next. And I think <laughs> we're going to. All the time we saved on Mr. Scheibel is going to be needed to talk about Jolene. Well, we're pretty confident that Jolene is an aggressive number. So we're going to cut out our our dependent stance and our withdrawing stance, folks. And we're going to focus in on the three sevens and eights. Do you think Jolene could be a three? I do kind of think she might be a three. We see that she is aware of how to navigate. She's also aware of what she's not she knows she's older she knows that she's black she knows these are are things that are going to make it more difficult for her to be adopted but when she becomes an adult when she's out on her own she's driving the nice car she's dressing in a certain way she knows how to go into the law firm as a paralegal and say all the right things have all the right looks and fit the role that she needs to to set herself up to be successful and she's ambitious Mm -hmm. she's not just going to stay as a paralegal She's going to school. She's doing the things. Yeah, she knows she's a mistress, but it's for her own ends. You know, this guy thinks he's using her. No, no. Jolene's got this one in hand. You're right. I think it is possible that she's a three. And that ambition and that drive to do more and to be better, uh, getting a scholarship. We don't know a whole lot about her academics. The picture we have of her in the, the children's home she seems kind of like a delinquent who's causing, she's constantly cussing and mouthing off to the uh, the people in charge. And, you know, she doesn't really seem like an ideal kid. Um, to be fair, anybody who's there has had a rough start in life. So cut, you know, cut some kids some slack. But she gets a scholarship to go to university in the 60s. So already as a young black woman who has a scholarship to go to university, that tells us that she's, She's got a lot going on and she's working harder than maybe we saw on the academic side from other perspectives. I still don't think she's ultimately a three because I see some other things that are going on that I don't think would would be accounted for with a three. But you're right that she has that ambition. She has that drive. She likes the finer things. She She wants to have money. That matters to her. But I think that she is not seeking it simply for her own sense of self-worth and uh, her success is not her identity. I think she is seeking success and power and a voice because she wants to make a difference towards social justice. And, And so I think that puts her towards a different number than a three. So not the seven. I don't think she's a seven. I don't either. She doesn't feel like a seven. No, she's fun and she can make light of a crap Mm -hmm. situation and she can find kind of a a sick humor um like gallows kind of humor or er humor where there's really gross and terrible things happening and you find a way to laugh at it because you have to to cope i can see her doing some of those things but she's not creating fun and playfulness she doesn't seem to have a a desire to stay in childhood or 
does it gravitate toward immaturity that sometimes we see in a seven? No, I don't see those things either. Do you think she could be an eight? I think it's possible. If she's not an eight, she's a three and vice versa. Some of the things that I saw that struck me as eight was that I think the way she makes light, the way she acts out as a young person is more dealing with her fear of being vulnerable than it is because she is a powerful woman. Mm -hmm. I do think she's an eight. And I agree with you that if she's not an eight, she's a three. If she's not a three, she's an eight. But she talks a lot about anger. And I think she's a pretty angry kid Mm -hmm. and has every right to be. We don't know a whole lot about what happened before uh, she meets Beth, but obviously some terrible things have happened or at the very least, both her parents have died. Like that's the best case scenario. She had two loving parents who both died. Um, Most of them aren't in that spot, but seeing her as an adult, when she comes back into Beth's life, she talks about when she went to college and she said she took a history class. She's like, and it pissed me off. And then she took something else and she's like, and then I got even madder. So I switched to poli sci so that I can do something about it. And she has this confidence about her where she really doesn't care what people think about her the way I think a three would. So as an example, her partner, significant other is a rich married white man. And uh, Beth kind of calls her out because she's talking about, uh, you know, making a difference in the black community and, you know, working for the poor and making things better. And she's like, so what are they going to think about your, your rich white boyfriend? And she says, well, if they can't take a joke, F them. So she just doesn't care. Like She doesn't care what people think about her. And she does care deeply about social justice. And threes can care about social justice, too. It's not like you have to be an eight, nine, or one to want to make the world a better place. But certainly eights, nines, and ones are more apt to be really motivated toward social justice issues. I think if we got to spend more time with her, we'd be able to clear that up. Because I definitely see everything that you're saying. And and I could definitely see the eight qualities. She also does feel like a three sometimes. But we only get so little of her. We get her as a child. And then we get this brief window when she comes back to help help Beth. So season two, give us more more Jolene. Are they making another season? I don't know. I kind of thought it was a one and done. There will not be a season two. The executive producers have weighed in. Thank you, Google. Well, we won't get any more of Jolene, so we'll have to leave it in your hands, audience, to tell us whether you think she is a three or an eight. But there's another character who might even be a little bit trickier, and that is Alma. I have a soft spot for Alma. I do too. And I had watched it, and then I rewatched the season with my wife. And the scene, and spoilers, guys, when Alma dies... My wife looked at me and goes, she dies? Really? <laughs> you knew. You knew she dies. Yeah. Yeah, she does. I really expected them to take her character in a more villainous direction at first. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that she would kind of end up abusing Beth and taking advantage of her. And that's really not what she does. She becomes her manager and a really good manager, a fair manager. And she's always more like a mom or a friend than a mom, Mm -hmm. but she's at least someone who's in her life. Who's consistent, who loves Beth. Maybe she's not quite as diligent in uh, protecting her uh, and giving her boundaries as she ought to be, but it would also be pretty hard to start raising a kid that's already like 16 or 17 and then has their own independent income on top of that. In addition to her own mental illness, her struggles with substance abuse, like all of the things, she's a complex character. And that is something we want to acknowledge before we even do this like rundown of her typing. There are some things that it is unclear if what we're seeing is personality or if what we're seeing is depression and addiction both of which can really change the way we behave. doesn't necessarily change our inner motivations, but it can cloud the way people see us. So we would just want to put that disclaimer up there. In general, it's not good practice to try to type someone who has ongoing persistent mental illness. Uh, if somebody has addiction problems, Enneagram is not going to solve their addiction problems. <laughs> not to say it can't be part of the therapy, but there's other types of therapeutic measures that need to come first. So 
with that disclaimer, let's start a rundown. Do you think Alma could be a one? I don't get a sense that she's a one. What really sold that for me was how quickly and easily she lies about Beth going to school. Yeah, she's too much of an opportunist. She's not uh, particularly principled. She sees Beth doing things that she knows are probably not a great idea, probably not uh, the right thing, but she's just like, well, just lets it go. Yeah, okay, you're going to go stay at a, a college boy's house when you're in high school. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> so not a one. Do you think she could be a two? I wondered for a while. Ultimately, I don't think she's a two. I think she wants a, a child. She wants Beth. Her yearning for a relationship, both from Beth and what was the name of her pen pal? I don't remember. Uh, the pen pal. We'll just call him the pen pal. Yeah. Her desire, I think, for both of those, I kind of wondered if it was another form of her narcotizing. I think you're right, particularly with Beth, because she wanted to adopt a child to fill some of the void that was left from losing her own son or daughter. I don't even think we know. Like They don't talk about the child that died. They don't. And that's almost what makes it better. Yeah. It, it's been referenced. It's clearly caused a break in the relationship. Yeah. You and I have both done some work with, with folks who have who've experienced trauma and that broken relationship spoke of trauma that they've not healed. They have not come together. They've not communicated. Right. That (laughs) reflects that all over the place. And and if I'm not misremembering, I think they got married because she was pregnant. And so then the thing that brought them together, they've, they've lost. So they didn't have a, a particularly sturdy relationship to begin with. And then the piece, the person that was holding them together is no longer there. And then they're not processing their, their grief and their trauma together. They're doing it separately and neither one's doing it particularly well. The recipe for disaster. I, I also wondered if she was a two because she, that longing for a child and like mm-hmm. thinking that another child will possibly fill that, that pain or fill that void and decrease that pain, which it didn't really, but I don't ultimately think she's controlling enough to be a two or maybe controlling is not the right word, but two hands off a two who's in a parental role is going to be a little more hands-on. They're going to have a harder time letting go of control when it comes to their kids or somebody that they're responsible for. And Alma is just a little too, or a lot too laissez-faire. Oh yeah, absolutely. What about a three? No, I don't think she's a three. She wishes that she was a well-known pianist and she blames the stage fright. I think a three would have pushed through, even if it broke with the norms, even if it it did so many things, they would have taken the skill that she obviously has and would have cultivated excellence in that arena. I agree and disagree with you. I don't know that I think the piano would be the place where she would feel the need to shine the most as a three. Because in her time, her era, the expectations for a woman were generally not around career, but in what kind of homemaker you are. And there are some things that look to me like she's making an effort as a homemaker, even amidst her depression. Like her house is very well decorated and put together and very clean, even when she's a miserable mess, hardly getting out of bed. She's still vacuuming before her husband comes home. Uh, She puts herself together. She's very attractive. When she goes out, she dresses quite well. There are some things that look like she's projecting an image, but I don't ultimately think she is seeking success as a homemaker. I think she's doing what's expected for a woman of her era with to the extent that it's visible. And then she's allowing herself to live quite differently within her home. I was about to say the same, that she was just meeting expectations. Yeah. Because she's not vacuuming because she knows he's coming home. She didn't expect him. She sees the car roll roll up and she just runs upstairs to quickly throw on a dress because that's what's expected. Mm -hmm. And frankly, her marriage is on Rocky. Right. Sees anyways. Right. She's going to do what she 
needs to do because if if he's gone, that's their income. That's I mean, that's everything. And she's upset about the divorce. I mean, she is really upset, but she doesn't seem to be particularly ashamed of it. And at this time, it was still very stigmatized to be a divorced woman in particular, because, you know, when are women not getting a harder time with things than men are? Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't seem to be particularly ashamed of that. She's not happy about it. She has concerns, particularly like finances and rejection and all those hurt feelings, but she doesn't have the shame. And threes live in the shame triad and they experience shame really profoundly. And so for that reason, I don't think she could be a three. What about a four? Her dark feelings made me wonder. I think it's a possibility. The challenge is that her depression at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really struggle with that. I, I often read that as her her depression because she's had a lot of really hard things. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of help for her. She just needs to keep that inside the house, keep it buried between a pretty smile and a nice dress. Mm-hmm. It's I I agree. I think she's more battling depression than she is the emotional ups and downs that is more typical of a four. She also is really uncomfortable with her dark feelings, which is why she's constantly drinking and taking drugs because she doesn't want to feel. Mm-hmm. And certainly there are fours that drink too much or take pills to like numb out. Certainly there are fours who do that. But she seems to be particularly uncomfortable with those feelings, which almost lead me away from the idea that she's a four. But it's so hard to see like what is depression, what is addiction? Because she's not just narcotizing. She is flat out addicted. Like she gets she de- gets DTs when she's not drinking. So, I mean, (laughs) physiologically, emotionally, psychologically, she's addicted. She's not just narcotizing the way you and I might narcotize when we watch, you know, all nine episodes of Queen's Gambit. Exactly. (laughs) Well, and even the pharmacist says, tell her to go easy. Yeah. Let's be honest. We don't think she's a five or six. No. No, definitely not a five. And I don't see anything that is particularly anxiety prone. She definitely does not seem aware of danger. No. Or even she's not particularly oriented towards the common good. She's not a planner. She doesn't, she's not controlling at all. She doesn't try and puff herself up like a counterphobic six Mm -mm. to project power. Yeah. She's definitely not a five or a six. Do you think she could be a seven? Seven's a possibility. Part of me wondered if that lent itself to particularly the tranquilizers that she's taking. She calls them her tranquility. And I thought that (laughs) it was the fact that she calls it her tranquility that I thought, Uh wow, she's reframing her drugs and calling them something softer, which was interesting. Yeah. The way she throws herself at her pen pal either means she's a two, which we don't think she's a two. Or she's someone who's looking for the fun and the spark, right? That's a, there's a, not so much an intensity to those feelings, but there's a newness to that, that I see Mm -hmm. sevens leaning towards. Mm -hmm. She does like the nicer things. She's always got, as much as her drinking is a problem in a way that she's dealing with her problems, she also drinks fancy drinks. Mm -hmm. And she's well aware of the quality of the alcohol. Yeah. She's not like sipping gin cheap gin out of a paper bag in a back alley. Um, Yeah. I I think you could be, I think you could be right. We don't see her like having parties or being particularly extroverted or gregarious, but not every seven is dancing on tabletops. If somebody's dancing on tabletops, there's a good chance they're a seven uh, or a stripper, <laughs> one, or, one or the others. But if no money is being exchanged, those aren't two. Those two aren't mutually exclusive. So that's true. <laughs> that is true. Uh, that would be an interesting study. Like How many sevens the, are strippers? Is well, that where you're going what, with this? What, <laughs> what the predominant enneagram number of exotic dancers? Use the correct terminology. That's right. I'm not being fair. That's that is very true. I'll own that on my part. It's also eleven o'clock, and I'm getting a little bit uh, slap happy and snarky. Um, <laughs> but I, it's possible. 
She certainly likes the finer things, as you pointed out. She likes to travel. She finds that very exciting. She's pretty comfortable bending the truth. She isn't overly emotional, actually, despite her depression. We don't see her crying. We don't see her screaming or throwing things. We don't see her emoting a whole lot. I mean, we can tell she's sad, but she's not crazy high, crazy low, even though we know she has this constant depression throughout. She does enjoy having some fun. She loves the piano for what it, the joy it brings her to play and to be appreciated. It's possible. I'm not like wholehearted in the seven camp, but I think it's, it's a definite possibility. I went into this really not thinking that we'd be able to land firmly on any number. I think she's too complex. I think there's too many external things that are influencing her behaviors that it's going to muddy any typing that we try and do. Yeah, that's true. Even so, she's certainly not an eight. Agreed. Do you think she's she could be a nine? Enough because of the narcotizing, I wonder. She gets caught up in Beth's stuff. But then again, Beth is powerful. So everyone gets caught up yeah. in Beth's wake. I do see a bit of merging. She's perfectly happy to make Beth's career her own. And doesn't have any jealousy or any. Um, yeah, so here's the question though. How much is that is social leaning? You know, the time of her that she exists in that if she's conditioned that I need a man that I need to merge my life into, and that's what you've been taught your entire life. Why not merge with Beth? Because she's strong because she offers an out. I'm going back to the seven now. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong because there's absolutely that social conditioning, but I don't think that would have as clearly translated to, well, you're supposed to merge with your husband to now merge with your teenage daughter. It would make more sense to me if she had a son because then the son was becoming the man of the household. So if this was all about how are you conditioned as a woman, if anything, I think she would be more conditioned to have a sense of competitiveness towards mm. this woman who's not this young woman who's not that much younger than her and certainly Alma is still she's not an old matronly woman she's a woman who's young enough to be dating and having her own life and flirtations and sex life and those kinds of things but she doesn't experience that and she is happy to merge with Beth and Beth is more powerful than she is and she naturally is okay with that well, and something you said there made me realize that she's not her mother. She's her big sister. Mm. You know, the lets her drink. The, yeah. <laughs> the, the yeah, you're lets. right. Yeah. I guess, Calling I, her mother is a formality. It is. And I think that's a fair case that you're making. I was also thinking about how she handles conflict. I don't ever see her deal with conflict. Mm-mm. She's passive she, aggressive. She buries her head in her beautiful comforter. Until she's had enough. So, the one time Beth comes home and we see that she is playing on the piano, but then when Beth goes upstairs, she's destroyed the bedroom. That's a nine that's been pushed too far. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that scene. I did too until just now. I think she feels more like a nine to me than a seven. And if she's a nine, then she would also have more natural moves toward the three. So some of the things about her that seem three-ish would make sense if she's a nine because nines move toward threes in health. Mm-hmm. And so she does get a little more ambitious. She gets more organized and planning, able to accomplish a, a goal. I mean, it's all Beth's goals, but she's able to make it happen for her. That makes more sense to me than her being a seven. I think the only thing that really looks super seven-ish is her, her drinking. Mm-hmm. And her enjoyment of going dancing with a handsome Mexican man. But who wouldn't want to go dancing with a handsome Mexican man? If he wasn't high on my list. <laughs> you just haven't met the right handsome Mexican man. That's probably fair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could live with the nine. I really could. I feel like sometimes nine is the default because... Nines themselves have a hard, can have a hard time mm-hmm. typing themselves because all the numbers sort of make sense to them because they can see every perspective so well, which is why they're sometimes called the peacemaker. But I do think it makes sense for Alma. I do too. You've convinced me. I'm on board. <laughs> well, so let's, let's change. 
I was going to say, let's talk about one of my favorite characters. Okay. Harry. I so love Harry. Do you recognize him from another film franchise series featuring a character named Harry? Mm, What was he in? It's been bothering me. So he's in Harry Potter. No. Is he Neville? No. Then who is he? His cousin, the Dursley boy. How did I not make that connection all this time? Because when they're filming Harry Potter, they had him in a a suit to make him plumper Uh and they had him in fake teeth or, well, maybe they, maybe he didn't have fake teeth. I know Neville had fake teeth, but I know they had him in a suit to make him heavier. You're blowing my mind, Kate. I know. That's what I'm here for. Well, what do you have any hunch for Harry or do we need to do a rundown for him? I have a hunch. I kind of think that Harry might be a nine. Say more about this. So he merges heavily with Beth. We've said that Beth is powerful enough that she sort of just picks everyone up and brings them along with her. But he merges with what other people want, and he is afraid of conflict. We see this most clearly when he gives up chess. He's very comfortable. He's brilliant. I mean, at one point, he's state champion. Mm -hmm. And then he just says, yeah, I guess I just don't love it as much as everyone else does. And it is okay with walking away. Mm-hmm. He doesn't tell his family that he's not going to go study at school and go become a lawyer or a doctor or, or something with some sort of prestige. He's happy just to go work at the grocery store. They're nice to me. And what sold it for me was when Beth kind of draws him in with her sexy music and chess playing to come live with her. He goes ahead and he gets the apartment anyways and just doesn't tell her until it's time. Mm. And when he does get pushed, he'll push back, but it takes a lot Mm -hmm. to get him to do things. He sort of just navigates around and he deals with Beth's fire so well because he can just accept it. She'll say something mean to him about his chess playing and say, yeah, you're better than me, but let's do this thing. You know, he sort of has a way of calming and bringing her back and centering her. He very well could be a nine. I think he could also perhaps be a six. Mm. I see the bravado early on. Yes. The bravado early on. He's also someone who's dutiful. He wants to do the right thing. Not necessarily in the same way that I think a one needs to do the right thing and can be sometimes overbearing about it or even aggressive about what is right and what others ought to do but he sincerely wants to do what's right and to help other people do what's right. Um, He wants to please others and he does that with his family. He appeases the people who are authority figures in his life. He has some daddy issues um, in wanting to live up to their expectations, but he does show this bravado in the beginning. Like he's trying to be the tough guy but we learned that that is kind of an act that he's much softer on the inside. He is cautious and I don't, I have a sense and I didn't rewatch the episodes where he was playing chess. So it's been a couple months since I've seen this, but I get a sense if I'm remembering correctly, that he was also not a risk taker when he played chess, that he liked safer moves or what felt like safer moves to him. But I could be misremembering that too. Well, there's the scene where he's offered a draw because it's a tense situation. And there's this sort of comical moment where he goes, hell no. You know, like he's some sort of badass of chess. Uh And I laugh every time I watch that scene because it just seems sad to me. (laughs) Like this, like intense, like hell no, man, I'm not going to cave. And then he wins that chess match because the other guy doesn't see a way out of it. Hmm. But I think a lot of what he does, a lot of his motivations is because he's attracted to the pretty chess girl. Mm-hmm. And so part of me wonders how much of this is young hormonal dude, you know, chess bros. I didn't know chess bros were a thing. Maybe, maybe that is a thing. <laughs> and how much of this is personality? He definitely shows his personality in the ways he goes about wooing her. He does what he thinks thinks she wants or will make him more attractive to her, but without overtly pursuing her. Like he gets braces. He does change his teeth. He spends his tuition money. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think braces are a good investment. I don't know that I would get braces over paying my tuition, but I wore braces and I'm glad, you know, I did. I don't think, oh, this is, he's so tricky because I really can see him being a nine, but I really can see him being a six because he's also very earnest and he is brave. When he kisses her and she's not ready for it and doesn't necessarily want it, that's, that seems more like a six move. Because that would introduce conflict uh-huh. where there wasn't any. Yeah, I don't know. And at the end, um, this is the last episode or second to last episode, but he confronts her and he gives her the speech. He says, you know, my dad drank and you smell the way he smelled and your eyes look the way his eyes looked. And you're not, you're not okay, Beth. <laughs> like that takes a lot of courage. And I can mm-hmm. see a nine doing that, but I suspect that at some point, a nine would confront her with anger because she's also been pretty crappy to him. And he never, we never see that anger and nines are so tranquil and so even kill kill until they're not under the surface. They have a lot of anger and they manage that anger all the time. That's part of why they're tired because they don't want to be angry. So they have to put a lot of energy into suppressing that anger or narcotizing it, turning it off. And I just don't see that anger under the surface with Harry which makes me think he's more of a six. As soon as I think he's one, I go to the other because I think of why he sells his car. It's flashy, but he says it wasn't me. Uh-huh. I don't know. Which could convinced. be either. It wouldn't yeah, be a I know. three. It depends on why he did it. But it makes sense when we are confused with a number that they're numbers that share a line. We're most mm-hmm. likely to see confusion between numbers that are right next to each other. So uh, sometimes a two and a one can look really similar or a one and a nine. But I think more often than not, we get mistypings with numbers that share a line because a six makes moves to the three and the nine. And so we're going to see some energy from all three of those, depending on his stress and security. So sixes gravitate towards the nine when they are feeling more secure and gravitate toward the three when they're in stress. I don't know that we see him in stress enough because I think we are seeing movement, mm-hmm. but not enough to make me land right on one or the other. So maybe this is another place where we need votes. Yes. <laughs> Help us with the Instagram poll. We'll do a series on Instagram. Settle, settle the debates. Now I want to imagine that the Queen's Gambit isn't set in the same world as Harry Potter. I feel like Hogwarts in the 60s would have been a really cool place to be. Say more. (laughs) I mean, what would happen if you mixed magic and magic mushrooms? Maybe that's where we get magic mushrooms. It was just some wizards who were having fun with some muggles. (laughs) Makes sense to me. (laughs) Well, let's talk about Another character who's played by another British actor, actor, Benny. Benny Watts, the chess kid. Do you recognize Benny? Should I? Well, he's been in a lot of things. Yeah, he um, seems familiar. I don't remember from what, but it's also ever, late. <laughs> have you ever watched the amazing Christmas movie called Love Actually? I have not, actually. <laughs> I. We have to remedy this. I saw, I have the, no I saw the spark in your eye and you're like, I'm adding this to the list. I, I'm seriously thinking let's <laughs> knock one of the things off for December and do love. Actually, it's a great ensemble cast. Um, okay. never mind then. He's, he's a kid, the B kid in love actually. And it's a really darling movie. And he plays Liam Neeson's son. Does Liam Neeson have to rescue him using his set of very specific skills? <laughs> no, he does not, but he has to chase him through an airport. I think that's just something contractually Liam Neeson has to do in all of his films is run in a place with ships, be it starships, airships, all the ships. What's the name of that movie where he played the Scottish man? Rob Roy. Yes, Rob Roy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I believe there are ships in that as well. <laughs> and running. Okay, back to Benny. There's so many things in that film. Like I had several moments flash through my head. I'm like, nope, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. 
That's off topic. <laughs> All right. So Benny. Do you think do you... Benny is a one? No. No. Well, he does have odd rules. And as a one, I can say we do make rules that we implement on others. What are his weird rules other than he doesn't let her drink in his house? Well, he says, you can come stay in my house, but there is no alcohol in the apartment and sex is off the table. I'm going to walk back the one, but I'm going to be super weird about it. Which it was is really weird. One, I rewatched that episode tonight. That's a one thing, too. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like those are kind of basic boundaries when you're trying to have a working relationship with someone like, so you have a drinking problem that impacts your ability to do your job. So we're not going to have alcohol while we're doing this job together. And we should not be having sex because that will impede our ability to do our job. I mean, that seems reasonable to me, even if you're not a one. I don't think he's being reasonable. I think he's making rules. And I think he also likes to be the coach and boss of everyone else. He goes to the tournaments that he doesn't play in and he sits there and he gets in all these arguments where he gets to be the one who's right. That makes more sense to me than the rules about the booze and the sex. He does like to be the coach. He does like to be seen as like the mentor, the sage, the the one who has all the answers for others. And he's usually right because he's thought through. It's true. I think he's a body type. He seems to feel his way through the way he plays chess, the way he does things. It seems to be like Beth more in the intuitive sort of approach. But um, he's, he studies so much. He even reads the footnotes and they have this mm-hmm. argument about, well, have you read this person? She's like, I hate that person. He's like, I hate him too. You still need to read him. So he's also very studied. A one can go into the five, can look like a five, depending on his subtype. That's true. Okay. So that's a possibility. What is a possibility? I don't have any, I didn't come into this with a strong sense of what I think Benny is. So I didn't either. I just suddenly I'm here and it feels right. And I'm just living in that space. So would a one who'd said sex is off the table, then start sleeping with her. Yes. He'd feel <laughs> bad about it, <laughs> but he would do it. Right. I mean, cause he's going to internalize that. That's what yeah. ones do. I mean, even ones make rules that they can't keep. Yeah. That's true. And then he does try to like make it right by like making it a relationship, which she isn't interested in. Oh, no, he's forcing it. And it's super weird. I missed you. Silence. Okay, then. And, and what he says to her after, after they have sex, he's still talking about coaching chess. her. He's coaching her on chess. Like he's thinking on these things. So that is actually something that I thought was very out of character for Beth. Because she's usually so disconnected from her body and so in her head. I would have thought that, and she, when she's with Harry, she is thinking about chess because they talk about chess afterwards, but, but maybe it's not it's the a- same way it, you sort of wonder how focused was Benny because Harry's all in, he's focused on her. So he's met that need for her. Yeah. But Benny's the only one who got her there because at the end she says, so that's what it's supposed to feel like. No, oh, she said that about Harry. No, she that's her about se- Benny. Didn't she? Because uh-uh. it's her sexual encounter after the the guy uh-huh. who, who can't get it going. I just rewatched it tonight. Oh, she well, says it after, know. Yeah. She says it after Benny. <laughs> okay. Because she's with that first guy and then she's with Harry and now she's been with Benny. So apparently Benny just does all things with excellence. I guess so. <laughs> Is that a one thing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. How many people find Benny like super attractive? The scrawny knife wielding like you don't <laughs> no he's not attractive at all. i feel so bad like i don't like saying that people aren't attractive but his i'm sure when he's dressed differently and acting differently he's still not going to be my type but he's not attractive at all in this particular series so here's the challenge if benny's not a one i'm really not sure what else he would be and maybe it's we just don't get enough of him because for so long he is the opponent and, and we're kind of seeing this through Beth's eyes. Yeah. He's not a two. No. Because he's not trying to be loved. Mm-mm. He could be a three. I know you brought up some good points against it because he, he dresses so differently. He doesn't fit in with his attire. But sometimes threes like to stand out. And if he has cultivated a persona, and if his persona is that he's the cowboy even though he lives in New York city in a dingy basement apartment, 
he could, I could see him keeping that persona up because that's his public presence. And he has those magazines that he's featured in. He has them all out and his guests can see him. People talk about his arrogance, which that can be a one thing too, but it can also be a three thing. It can be a lot of things. Twos can have arrogance as well, but he certainly has some vanity. He has some arrogance. His friends are like, yeah, he needed to be brought down a notch. He's incredibly confident. He doesn't strike me as being especially angry. Like I don't, I don't see anger being forefront for him, but maybe I'm misremembering something. He glowers though. Yeah. I just, I'm hung up on, on his appearance and how he presents himself to the world because even in the pictures, he doesn't have the cowboy hat and some of the things he's dressed more normally. Hmm. Do you think he could be a four? Maybe. I think that's a possibility. I'm trying to, he could feel like a four. I'm, I'm really trying to peg what it is about him that makes me think of a four. It's because he sits with Beth in her darkness. That's what it is. That's what makes me go, maybe. I think it's possible. At the end of the day, I think he's more in his head than he mm-hmm. is in his heart. I don't think he is a two or three or four. I don't think he's a heart type. Mm-hmm. That leaves a lot of numbers available, but... Well, there's some others I can strike out right off the bat. I don't think he's a seven. I don't think he's a nine. Uh-uh. Maybe a six. I mean, the knife thing made me wonder about a six because he's always prepared. And if that's how he plays chess, because I don't feel like we get a good view. I, I don't know chess well enough to know what he's trying to do whenever we're mm-hmm. in the shots of him playing. But if he's a six and he's loss adverse, mm-hmm. that maybe you would see that in his playing if you know chess. He's also someone, this might disqualify him from being a three. He is someone who sees the value of cooperation as being infinitely superior to end, to going it independently. Mm-hmm. Because he talks about the Russians at length. How, why are they the best? Because they work together to solve their problems. And he is bringing together this group. He's the one who who gets everybody together to support Beth. He's the one who initiates her training and recognizing she has this potential, but she needs some help. And that is something that a six can do more readily than I think a three would. I agree wholeheartedly. And a one can do that too, because mm-hmm. ones are other referencing. Mm-hmm. Ones and sixes are in the same stance. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have a lot of similarities there. So is he trying does he need to be good and right, or does he need to be safe? He wants to be right. Well, if that's if that's his inner motivation, then he's a one. Right. But again, strong emphasis on I think. Yeah. I, I could be wrong on this one. He's certainly not a character that we have the most time with to be able to make the most intense typing or the most accurate typing. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, you've done a pretty good job arguing making a case for a one i could still see him being a six but you've made a really when you talked about how he goes to all the other tournaments he's not playing in and offers to help the others and talks them through their mistakes and kind of shows off a little bit too Mm -hmm. but i think his desire to be that coach does make a lot of sense for him to be a one oh i've never done that in any of the things that i've done (laughs) I sniff at ones. You sniff out fives. That's true. And I think Beth is a five. You think Beth is a five? Oh my gosh. You yeah. made such a compelling case. I think we should just let you run with it. Well, we also have to acknowledge that she has early childhood trauma and her mother was mentally ill. Then she was orphaned, raised in an institution. So, Again, putting that disclaimer out there, Beth is also dealing with her own issues, but I still think even without that trauma, Beth would still be a five and that a lot of the behaviors we see from her are intensified because she's not working from a healthy, ideal, mental, emotional state. So some of the things that make her super five-ish, she's very introverted. She lives in her head constantly. She's not particularly socially aware. She's not antisocial, but she doesn't gravitate towards other children. She doesn't need lots of relationships. She has one best friend and that's pretty much enough for her. She 
doesn't need to please people in her life, authority figures, peers. She is obsessed with chess. That's her thing. And she does everything possible to be the best at it. But she is still, she's still intuitive in a lot of ways. It is studied, but there is still that intuition that's coming from her. I suspect she, if she has a wing, it's a four. Can't say that for sure. But what really makes her look like a five to me most is actually the way she goes off the rails because fives in stress move towards seven. And we see her like partying, over drinking, sleeping with strangers, um, smoking, like the intense, the extremes, buying, over shopping. Um, When she decides she's um, buying Alma's house, just going through and redecorating everything in one fell swoop, that big burst of energy. But we only see that in these moments of of crises or when she's going off the rails, that's not her normal operating steam. Isn't, isn't high energy. She's kind of low energy. She's withdrawing. So you're talking about moving towards the seven and stress actually might've just convinced me. Mm. The reason why I was hesitant up until that point was that Beth presents as being on the autism spectrum. Mm. And I did do some looking into this and there are a lot of, there's a lot of discussion about whether or not she's on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so that made me wonder, okay, are we seeing low energy because she's on the spectrum or because this is her personality type, but her moving to the seven, I could see that. I can see that. And she has those wonderings as well. Like if she's a savant mm-hmm. or if she's unwell, the way her mother was unwell because her mother was also really, really intelligent. And her thing was math. And she was an incredible mathematician, but still had this underlying illness. And And Beth is certainly concerned about herself mm-hmm. and her own mental well-being. But we also see her making some good moves too. Fives move toward eight. And Beth is a really determined, she likes her independence, which is a five thing and an eight thing. She's able to speak up for herself. She initially agrees to take money from a Christian organization, decides that she doesn't really agree with them. She doesn't want to abide by what their ethical standards are. And so she tells them she declines the money. Um, Although that is something, if we go back to Benny being a one, that is a knock against Benny being a one. Cause he's he's like, like, just "Ah, take the money. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll pay for me to go. We'll just have to, they'll pay for a separate room, you know, wink, wink. I can still go to your room. But, um, I'm sure that's what he was thinking. He wasn't subtle about that. (laughs) No, he wasn't. But Beth is, does have a a power to her. And when she is playing chess, we see it. Mm -hmm. We see her confidence. We see her strength. She's able to look these men who are the best of the best in the eye and even tease them. Uh, She, I love the scene where they're at the press conference and it's before her Paris match with what's his face, the Russian guy whose name I don't remember, Bell something. And she quotes him. Well, yeah. And and they ask her, are are you she says, I'm, you know, I'm staying in and I'm studying games. And they're like, oh, are you reading so-and-so's books? And then she says in Russian, especially his. <laughs> and it's like, be warned. And she wants him to be shaking in his boots a little bit. And that feels like a five because when fives are in their space where they are really confident, they do become great leaders. They become very confident. They become, you see that power and that strength. They know their stuff. They'll um actually you to death when it's their thing. See, I interpreted that differently, though still in, in the five. I interpreted that as a, I'm striving for the respect of my peers and my chosen field. Which is still a five thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And he shows he he shows the respect. He's like, yeah, you got me on that one. Mm-hmm. When she's sober, can't stop that girl. And yet they did with one season. <laughs> I'm bitter. I'm upset. I'm genuinely upset about this. I understand why. That doesn't make write me a letter sad. to the network. Mm-hmm. My sure sister did right that. On it. When they canceled Gilligan's Island, my sister wrote a letter to the network. <laughs> she was she was fairly young. I don't know what year they canceled Gilligan's Island, but I don't think she was more than 10. I don't even remember when they canceled Gilligan's Island. 
I figured that was before I was born. It was. So my they sis- got a letter well after the fact, you know, 20 years later, they get a, a letter from a, a child. So Gilligan, oh, so it was canceled before my sister was born. So she must have been watching it in reruns. My mom just tells the story. So Gilligan's Island ran from 64 to 67. And my sister was born in 73. So she was watching the reruns as a little girl. And then I guess was mad they only did three seasons. (laughs) Or my mother misremembered and told me the story incorrectly my whole life, which is also a possibility. Either way, it's an endearing story that embodies your sister. (laughs) <laughs> it does she's very loyal well this is fun diving back through but we've got some cool stuff coming up we do next week we are going to be watching a classic 80s teen movie uh the excellent john hughes film breakfast club and you've never seen this one before have you oh no i've seen Bre- breakfast club. oh it's 16 candles 16 candles i hadn't seen okay. i've seen many of his other films i just hadn't seen that one okay well we're gonna so have know- a lot of fun an obscure, I, I know a, an obscene amount of facts about 16 Candles for having never seen the film. <laughs> I can't wait to hear some of those in our pre production. Well, they won't be relevant to our discussion on Breakfast Club. Well, you can tell them to me before we hit record. Okay, I can do that. You know how I feel about random movie facts. I do. Um, I do think that in preparation for this film, one of us is going to need to tape our buns. <laughs> If you haven't watched Breakfast Club yet, that comment will make a lot more sense. No, but I'm the one the who pops off with those kinds of comments. So that is great that it's 1136. It hit late enough at night that we started getting those from you. <laughs> we also have a book club in the works. Lance, you want to tell us about our book club pick? Yeah, I just got the book today and I will be reading along with Kate and all of you. The Bromance Book Club by Lissa K. Adams. So this is a book about a group of guys who are reading romance novels in order to be better lovers. So you can jump in here. And as I was preparing for this, it called to mind some lyrics from a song that I was reading to Kate beforehand by the illustrious troubadour Bo Burnham. And I imagine that this this book is marketed as if men would read it, but it's really about women wanting men to read romance novels. And it hits on this verse. You want a guy that's sweet, a guy that's tough, a feminist who likes to pay for stuff, the kind of guy that gets along with your friends without being attracted to any of them, a good boy, a bad boy, a good bad boy, a half good, half bad, half boy, loves your brothers, sensitive but not weak, and is a great lover calls your mother on the weekend. <laughs> and is that man real Lance? Does he, he exist? Not. He does not. <laughs> which is the point of the song. <laughs> but if you like reading a romance novel, you can find those sorts of men. <laughs> <laughs> I think those guys exist. They I mean there's guys who exist that like romance and who like these sorts of things. But even if you're not a romance reader, man or woman, this is a really fun book. It's really funny. There's a lot of humor written into this as well as heart. So it's a great light read. It also has a good ensemble cast. And we're going to have a lot of fun talking Enneagram with these characters. Looking forward to it. Until next time, you can get in touch with us on Instagram at Nerdogram Podcast. We have a website, nerdogrampodcast.com. If you would like, this would really help us out. Please go ahead and subscribe in whatever uh, podcast app you like to use. I've been using Spotify. Lance, I think you're an Apple guy, right? I use it just because I've always used it, but doesn't mean I like it. Apple, if you're listening, fix your app. I, I don't know what who thought... Let's take all the things that everyone knows how to use and make it so that no one knows how to use it. And make it not work well anymore. (laughs) But whatever app you like to use, even if it's Apple, go ahead and subscribe. And if you could give us a rating or review that helps elevate us in the algorithm so that other people who want to know more about the Enneagram can find us and get some good Enneagram information. And as always, you can share word of mouth is how most things spread. 
we've been uh, seeing our our numbers and we can we're seeing what episodes you like and so uh, we're trying to get more content that we think you're going to enjoy but if you have a recommendation send it to us send us a, a dm on instagram write it in the review on your on your podcast app and we will try to get those into into our our list yeah thank you guys for all you do we really enjoy interacting with you and and seeing those downloads so thanks keeps us going Literally, it keeps us going when we decide, are we going to keep making a podcast? The numbers are what make us say yes. So thank you for listening. And until next time, that's all for me. That's all for me.